I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Firstly, as ever, a big shout out to our Patreon supporters without whom we would not be able to create this podcast. And if you didn't hear on last week's episode, we've got ourselves a merch shop and our first batch of t-shirts, hoodies and tote bags have just landed. So if you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll see they've got a Linktree drop-down box. Hit that and that'll direct you straight to the merch shop. And 100% of the proceeds goes back into this podcast. Well, this week we've got a little bit of a double whammy. We've got two episodes in one. First, I'll be taking you to meet the Cameron Twins, Abigail and Phoebe who I've wanted to get on for some time and I met them a couple of months ago over at the Affordable Art Fair, invited them on and and they tell us how that in such a short time they've made such a big impact in the London art scene. And they also tell us about their upcoming solo show at the Don't Walk Walk Gallery in Dill down in Kent and that is on the 9th of September which casually leads us into the second podcast which is Neil Kelly a.k.a. Ned Kelly, who is the owner and founder of the Don't Walk Walk Gallery, who lets us know how the gallery come about, the artist he first started showing with, and what shows he's got coming up in the near future. So don't forget, at the end of the Cameron Twins, hold tight, because you're only halfway through the episode. So without further ado, please let me introduce you to Abigail and Phoebe, who are the Cameron Twins. 
you been in the studio today? I ain't dragged you away from it, have I? No, we haven't. No. Good. Well, I have seven questions that I ask each guest. The first being, how would you describe what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Oh, okay. Do you want to answer that? Okay, so I would describe our work as bright, playful, oversaturated colour palettes, um, kind of so yeah. yes, pop culture references, um and kind of sinister dark undertones nice yeah sinister elements hidden under the surface yeah it's it's predominantly prints isn't it screen prints um yeah well like more recently we've kind of been doing mixed media and incorporating screen prints but yeah we do a lot of screen printing and also sculpture and some kind of light box installation type things as well okay was there creativity in the home growing up um we always had a lot of art around us like our mum had a lot of terry po- uh, terry frost posters and stuff oh nice but i think that definitely the colors of those definitely influenced us yeah um but yeah she always encouraged us to be creative and there was always a lot of drawing and art and like that kind of stuff going on yeah so yeah. we always kind of had a pen and paper in our hands for nice. our whole childhood so yeah or we play like um so you know that little drawing games where you fold the paper over and the next person yeah yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> one draws the head one draws the body yeah. and it makes a weird monster <laughs> you know, <laughs> we always did that I feel like we still do that now a bit. <laughs> and did you always feed off of each other or was you competitive? Uh, I think we fed off each other. Uh, yeah. We've always had similar styles of work and interests in our work. So definitely yeah, fed off each so other. <laughs> We're not really like very competitive, to be honest. So, yeah. So where did your art journey start, do you think? I don't know. I think we've always, we haven't always officially worked collaboratively, but we have always worked together kind of. We've always helped each other and had similar styles, as I said. And I guess it officially started like as collaborative artists in our final year of art school and after we graduated, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. And then a lot of our work, um, we include like little drawings and images from our childhood that we've collected or that we did when we were younger. So anything that we've done throughout our whole life kind of feeds back into the work now anyway. Yeah. And and where was art school? um, We were at Loughborough University. And both doing fine art? Yeah, we did fine art together there. Yeah. And was you working independently there or was you working collaboratively there as well? Um, we were working independently. We only started collaborating in like the last semester of our final year, but we all, we had really similar work. So it kind of just made sense. It kind of just naturally formed. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, our projects were kind of running parallel to each other. So in the end, they just merged into one project and then we graduated together with the same project. <laughs> well, I was going to ask if the work that you were creating separately was similar because when you're when you've grown up with each other 24 hours a day as twins do there 
you do pretty much end up thinking the same way don't you you know yeah exactly it's really kind of a unique experience to have the exact same experiences like at the exact same time and stage and age in your life like we have a younger sister as well so it's kind of like you can kind of see the differences of like when we experienced certain things at the same time and how we responded to those in the same way it's a bit weird. <laughs> and how does she feel with um, being the odd one out, if you like, having twin sisters? Uh, I don't know. I hope she, I hope she likes it. <laughs> not that much younger, so you're not that, you're not that mean, yeah. right? Quite similar to us as well. Yeah, and um, you think we're triplets all the time. <laughs> so when you left Loughborough, where did the art journey go there? Did you carry on in the arts or did you get a job and, you know, um, go forward that way? Well, we were always kind of like throughout uni, we were doing like bar work and like temping to be able to afford materials. And we had like a little screen print t-shirt business that we set up to oh, nice. fund our art, which we still sell some of them. We don't have a lot of time to make more anymore. But um, so we're doing that alongside our work. And then somebody came to our degree show and liked our work and liked our like little installation that we did and offered us a solo show um and that was in like October for a month in the in 2021 when we graduated so we kind of just went straight into it like we got we were really lucky to get that opportunity and yeah, yeah. And then ever since then we've just kind of rode on the back of that and we didn't really look back we just kind of kept rolling with it Oh, nice. So it, it happened straight away for you. That's pretty cool. I like it when I hear those stories. And <laughs> and how was that show for you, Evan, your first solo show? It was really cool because that was, our, apart from our degree show, that was like our first show. So it was yeah. like just, <laughs> yeah, it was a exciting solo show. Yeah, it was, it, I think it was like a, a really nice opportunity for the first show opportunity. We had to be a solo show where we could, we had total control of what we put in it and the work that we created into that. And did that mark it for you that that's the, the route that you wanted to go as, as artists? Yeah, definitely. It was really exciting. <laughs> and so, so you, had, you graduated, had your solo show. What happened from there? So since then, we've had 16, we've been in 16 shows. One of them was a solo show at Pure Evil Gallery. So two solo shows. And then... I know it was only a couple of months ago, weren't it? A couple of weeks ago, even. In February. Oh, nice. And how did you find that there, working with Charlie? He's pretty cool, wasn't he? Yeah, he's really nice. And we did like a collab with him as well, which is really cool. But, yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one. Oh, it's on that Instagram somewhere. It's like a Medusa, um, like head and it's got the nightmare drippy eye nice that's, <laughs> that's pretty cool isn't it yeah that was really cool and that was like um we had like complete creative freedom of the space so we made i think there was like 66 artworks in there and wow. them were new so we kind of went a bit crazy like <laughs> making new stuff we got really excited so which piece you've created do you think it's got the strongest emotional connection? I would say the lover's tarot card, I think, because yeah. that's the first kind of large scale 
mixed media piece that we did together. Yeah, and it has screen print in it, and it was like the biggest that we'd gone in screen printing at the time with like the biggest screen. So it was quite ambitious from us. We kind of went from really small screens to like a massive one. Um, but yeah, that's got like imagery from The Shining, like the twins. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> love it. So it kind of has like personal autobiographical elements to it. So it's quite yeah special to us. And then it, it has like kind of links back to the meaning of the lovers tarot card oh, as well yeah, because the love everyone always thinks that the lovers is about relationships like romantic relationships but it's about uh like balance and unity in yeah, relationships it's just like partnerships so, romantic yeah so it kind of also links to our collaborative process of like working in partnership and then we've put this doll face instead of having the girls faces that is like imagery that we used in all of our degree work and the when we first started working together so it's quite like a special <laughs> image to us I don't know if anyone knows what it is because it's kind of just it's like our mum's childhood toy as well so it has those nostalgic elements for her and, and us from seeing it in our childhood but to everyone else it probably just looks really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to creep people out. Um, yeah, and so it's also got our childhood image, uh, uh, childhood like doodles mixed in it and like hidden things and skulls and spiders and stuff. So <laughs> I like that one. Was it screen printing you was doing predominantly at uni and into your first show? Uh, yeah, we... We were basically in the print workshop like most days at uni. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot of screen printing then. And we also did have sculptures and light boxes in our degree, like our degree show final project. But yeah, we um, like to kind of present our screen prints or our mixed media like um, 2D pieces within like a environment that we created. So for our degree show, for example, we had like a light box church kind of thing going on at the end and then an altar of sculptures and then you walked down an aisle with um prints all down the side <laughs> yeah it all kind of links back to our own childhood but obviously you wouldn't know that unless you knew us personally so there's also the other nostalgic elements for other people to relate to but it does all kind of relate to us like we were born in Hackney and we lived in a converted church when we were babies so Wow. it's like <laughs> yeah. To that. yeah overall and then we just kind of want to create an immersive experience for people as well so well all the time with your images when you're putting lips little fragments of yourself in each artwork over an amount of time then it, it will build up its own sort of personality people will get to know you just via your artwork won't they you know yeah it's quite fun we really like hiding the little clues in it um, and then it's quite nice to, to see when you when you're at a show or something where someone's looking at your work, them like spotting it and noticing it. It's nice to hear them talk about like things they recognise or some creepy thing that they found. <laughs> you said about um, you started to do mixed media on your prints. How is it you embellish them or add the hand to your work? Um, so. We've got a lot of like 
hand painted well we've like hand under painted and then screen printed some of the layers and then some of them are like have um it's gold leaf on them yeah and we for some of our pieces as well we will hand cut stencils and then nice. screen paint or yeah or screen print with hand cut things so that all of our works slightly different like there'll be slight differences between them because they're really like they're handled a lot in their hand with the handmade stencils or different layers none of them will be exactly the same which is something that we really like and it's kind of like similar to us like yeah we look similar but we are slightly different nice <laughs> um, I like that yeah, and then yeah I like that idea in your work yeah and then all the artworks are unique so it's we don't really like they're not it's not like they've got mistakes on them but like slightly different yeah like sometimes we kind of like things not to be completely perfect or like slightly misaligned or things like that because it kind of adds a playful element to the work and it's the process is playful so it's not super serious we don't want everything to be really like clinical we want yeah. to no I agree so it's not like we're not really, yeah. really or like we may perfection. as well just digital print them if we wanted them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, like, like we were saying earlier, it does give a little bit of personality to each one, doesn't it? Yeah, it's nice to see some like brush strokes or like different qualities in them that's not completely identical to another one and then everyone has something different. Well, like it's been over the last few years, I've only seen your work on the computer or mainly on my phone. So I only get a sort of stamp sized idea of what your work is like. And then um, when I saw it at the affordable art fair just a couple of weeks ago, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot different. I mean, I know that's quite obvious, but to see it in, in the flesh, as it were, is, um, yeah, is, is great, you know? Yeah, it's, we find it really difficult to photograph, especially the ones with the fluorescent and daybreak yeah. ones. They're just a nightmare. And then we'll <laughs> photograph it and it goes on Instagram and Instagram just does something that makes it completely different colours and it's so annoying. Yeah, I think as well, like you said, um, lots of people say to us when they see stuff in person, they realised like tiny details that they hadn't seen or yeah. even seeing a work um, more than once in person as well they come back and say oh I didn't notice this last time or that and with the social media stuff we kind of almost don't want to we could put close-ups in um, and draw attention to stuff but we kind of want people to do that in real life like find things themselves we don't want to point them in the direction of details by just taking close-ups on Instagram. Yeah over in the fun it's like it's kind of like those where's Wally type illustration books where there's all hidden things. It's kind of like a game, so we don't want to ruin it by pointing it out, but it's really hard to photograph them for Instagram and stuff. But I mean, we, we're speaking about um, shows here. If there was use and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Before you go on to answer that question, do you both like the same type of artists or is, is either of you sort of go down a, a, a little different line from the other? Um, I think we like similar artists, but we probably do have slightly different like favourites. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, a lot of our favourite artists are influences for our work. So because the because our work has always been similar and now is collaborative, I think they probably are quite the same. Yeah. Um, okay, so so if there was you and five other artists, past <laughs> and present, what would the uh, Cameron Twins ideal group show include? Uh, we'll probably have to pick some people with like crazy or weird work so that I can <laughs> pretty chaotic um insane show with like I don't know um Rachel McLean we really like her work it's like got the similar kind of cute colorful aesthetic and then kind of creepy (laughs) (laughs) cute and creepy yeah Yeah, and then she does really cool installations and stuff so that could be an interesting show who else um I think we've always really liked Eduardo Palozzi. Um, yeah. He's kind of a big influence for us. Yeah, he's he's got all the like kind of chaotic collage ensembles that yeah. we really like those. Yeah, pop 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 culture references. Yeah. So um, yeah. how many is that too? Um, oh, we'll have pure evil because I think our work is yeah. cool together. <laughs> like it worked well doing. Um, the show and his gallery, I think we have similar vibes and colours and yeah, colourful yeah. mixed with yeah. that. Um, yeah. And maybe um, Mike Kelly with his weird toys, toys yeah, sculptures, toys. and he like plays with like the playful juxtaposed with the grotesque, which is yeah, childhood yeah objects. Yeah, and have um, loads of weird toys everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I always like, like um, Cindy Sherman as well. I think she is also an influence for Rachel McLean, so that would make sense. <laughs> um, she's kind of like her attention to detail and like witty self-portraits, I think. I've always liked them. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a definite theme running through everyone you've just mentioned there and yourself. It is that what you said and what I laughed at was the cute and... Just the juxtaposing, like, a cute aesthetic with, like, sinister... Yeah, with a sinister undertone. Weird. I think it's really fun to do that. It's so funny when someone's like, oh, like, that's so cute, like, Barbie. And then it's like, oh, she's spearing a fair. (laughs) It's not so cute anymore. And do you think think that describes you? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Probably, like weirder than we see <laughs> cute with sinister undertones so in 20 years time when you're uh talking from your prison cell and guys if you if you was an artist what do you think you'd like to do? Um, it's quite hard to say because I feel like we've always wanted to be artists since we were little. Um, and we're quite lucky that we've, our mum's been really supportive. So she's always, she's never told us that that's something we can't do. And then everyone Good. that has told us that, we've just ignored them. So yeah, they um, <laughs> <stay> delusional. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I love animals. So probably something with animals. Yeah. Um, I think if we did end up working with animals, we'd probably end up doing animal portraiture. <laughs> <laughs> we'd probably still be arty. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Own a zoo. <laughs> zoo or a farm. Captain farm or something. And what have you got coming up? Um, yeah, we have a solo show coming up in September. Um, that's in Deal. And then we have another solo show, but it will be like the start of next year, probably, or like spring next year. Oh, when we was chatting at the Affordable Art Fair, you mentioned the one in Superb. How did you get into touch with them or how did that come about? Um, I don't know, actually. I can't remember. Um, I think a friend um, said, I think you like really like this gallery. So I think we just oh, yeah. kind of hit up the gallery yeah, and they like, were like, agreed. <laughs> and, um, someone says like, oh, this gallery like has, they have a similar like vibe or don't walk what's got kind of a crazy vibe to it so yeah definitely contacted neil the guy who runs it and then he was like oh i love it so <laughs> that was good it's, yeah, a really it's, good it's definitely um i mean i've not been there i've only seen them online but the work they show is is definitely a little bit different from um a lot of the other galleries of a similar ilk isn't it yeah i think they just kind of just put whatever they like in, like they're not going yeah. like, oh, what's commercial, what's gonna sell? Like, it's just what they like, like yeah. supporting the artists that they like. Yeah, so. I don't think they're really too worried about what other people think of the art. I think it's kind of... Their attitude really makes them stand out, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's a really cool, like... Yeah, it's a really funky kind of... gallery. And it's got uh, all the artists in there are really cool. Yeah, it's really nice to be a part of that. <laughs> I've made a note of that. And um, yeah, I'll try and bring this one out round about then. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so that's, that's no problem whatsoever. And where can anyone find what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, be it website or social media? Um, okay, what's so our website? <laughs> our website is www.camerontwins.art. And yeah, Instagram is at the underscore Cameron Twins. Yeah. We just changed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can see us. Well, I think we post all of our current available work on our website and then we have like um, little pages for different projects that we're doing. And then on Instagram, we just post loads of stuff. And Yeah, you've got a good Instagram page. It's a, a good fun page, that's for sure. Thank you. What have you got in store for the rest of the day? Um, I'm not sure. We might go to print in the workshop, yeah. but I don't know if we have anything that's ready to print. I don't know. Where was you? I mean, are you still in East London now or are you in South? Uh, we're in South East. And where is your studio? Um, well, we have we work in like a print workshop in Woolwich. What, what um, print studio is it? The Hub? Um, it's Thameside Studios. Oh. Yeah, we saw you have a um, podcast with Ray. Um, have, you, have you met Ray? Yeah. Yeah. And we, Bry. We, Bry is always in our workshop. Bry's the best, isn't he? <laughs> He's on the sofa. <laughs> He's so cute. Yeah. And uh, how do you find the, the print place there? It's really good. It's yeah. cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's really cool. Definitely. Yeah. We really like it there. We were quite worried about finding somewhere when we got back from uni to print because like a load of them are really 
like most of them are quite far away from us they're all in like east london and it's quite hard for us to get there so yeah. we're really happy to find them yeah and i've never seen the screen i mean i've been in there dozens of times um like when i go and see ray and whatnot but where's the screen printing is it is it behind the main bit where you walk into yeah i think it's uh you know where there's like a a cafe and there's like a car park thing with like everything around it yeah kind of like if you're facing the cafe it's like the ones on the right like that yeah have you seen that down. really old boat that's like oh yeah i, I mean i know the door is opposite the, the door door. and you go upstairs yeah 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 so once you, that's what i mean once you're up there i haven't seen the, like, the screen printing washroom and that oh yeah it's like um so the etching and stuff is all like when you upstairs, it's like in the back like oh, okay kind of yeah i guess it's kind of in an l shape and the office is at one end of the l and then the screen printing is at the other end okay yeah i wasn't that's, that's all i was i was a bit confused <laughs> as i say i've been there a few times and how did you come by that then um oh i don't know actually i think we were just looking up oh actually no i think one of our friends who's like a framer we were telling him about how we're looking for somewhere to print and then he knows them from like framing for them and stuff so a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, it's a good atmosphere on the Thameside Studios, and it says like, What's it like? Nearly five hundred artists there. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, there's loads of stuff going on there all the time. It's cool to like walk around and you walk past like a wood workshop or like a stained glass one. I'm like, I want to try everything. Yeah, and it's, yeah. When you walk past and then ground floor studios, you, you feel a bit naughty first of all, just like look peering through, don't you? But yeah, there's so much going on over there. And in the summer, when everyone has the doors open and you can just nose in there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm just being nosy <laughs> would you just get a studio over there yourself do you think um i think we yeah like we'll probably we'll have one anywhere at the moment because yeah. <laughs> desperate but yeah like the ones over there are really cool and it would be good to be close to the print workshop as well so yeah so otherwise we'd just be lugging things between all different places so and you yeah. mentioned that that old boat there earlier I mean, how cool is that old boat just parked no, up? It's so cool. Yeah. Last time we were there, I was just like, I always go and like take a picture of the boat if there's like a nice sunset or something and post it on Instagram. 
and everyone's like where are you but anyway, <laughs> so distracted there were some people I was just like taking a picture and there was people in the boat and they literally scared me to death I was like how oh there was people on it yeah there was some like teenage boys like oh, I've got you inside it and I was just like oh my god that's, that's scary because it's half underwater so <laughs> yeah you're great to go in there not fall through Ray was telling me a couple of years ago they was contemplating selling it off for it to become a casino. <laughs> really? What? That's so weird. That's that's quite a cool idea though, but I, I think it would sink. It's not in the best state. He's <laughs> no, not too good now, though. <laughs> I don't think meant like take it out of the water first. <laughs> Hope you don't, you then, guys. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, Thank nice, so nice to talk to you. And I'll let you know when it's coming out. Thank you. See you later on, guys. There you have it. The first half of this podcast episode, Abigail and Phoebe, the Cameron twins, who finished by telling you about their upcoming solo show at the Don't Walk Walk Gallery. And the second half of the podcast, I take you to meet Ned Kelly, who is the founder of the Don't Walk Walk Gallery situated down in the sunny seaside town of Deal in Kent. So come meet the man himself, Ned Kelly. So we've just listened to the Cameron Twins. Yep. And they're showing at your gallery on the 9th of September. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved within visual arts, and then we'll move on to the gallery just after that. Um, so my sort of journey with visual arts was sort of quite a zigzag one, really. I mean, the most consistent thing was, uh, was my ability to draw at school. And I think I found that on, found that out quite early on. Um, uh, one of the things that came up later on in life when I went off to art school is that they recognized that I was dyslexic, but that wasn't picked up at school. So my avoidance tactic at school was to throw myself into the arts. Brilliant. One of one of my survival techniques at secondary school was, uh, yeah, if if I didn't fit in, was that I was able to draw like really cool graffiti tag names on pencil cases or yeah. pictures of my mates' girlfriends and stuff like that. So I was able to get my identity quite quick through drawing, and I got a good feedback from that because. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of allowed me to fit in into lots of different groups. I've always felt like, yeah, this this is this is a good thing. So, where I, was growing up, Ned? If you don't mind me yeah. putting in, uh, I grew up in Dover, so I went to um, like a comprehensive school in Dover, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was just like um, growing up in a seaside town where there weren't a great deal to do at the time. It wasn't connected to London like it is now. Yeah the high speed train and stuff so you know you just sort of bimbled about and did stuff and got into trouble and not close <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yeah sort of growing up in the early 80s with all the sort of breakdance stuff around and the graffiti and the street art taking off it was uh yeah it was a good time visually to to be alive as yeah. well and i think you know that only got better as it sort of went into the 90s really and was there any um creativity in the home when you were growing up um well my father was a carpenter uh but he also taught me to draw as well or encouraged me to draw i sort of remember sort of drawing um doing like still lifes of my star wars figures or drawing some of the 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 airplanes and battleships that were in the falklands yeah. War, all those sort of really boyish things but 
you know, he, he just encouraged me to sit and draw and take the time to learn to draw and, and to sort of observe and look at things carefully, I think. And, and did you go to college or university after after school? No, no, no. I sort of got out of school as quick as I could. Um, <laughs> and, I was the same. Yeah. <laughs> and then just sort of had numerous jobs, really. I was like a landscape gardener, did some bar work. Worked on the cross-channel ferries, which, like most people did in the town, you know, it was sort of a rite of passage. Um, and then watched all my mates go off to uni and do stuff. And then I kind of was left in the town a little bit, thinking, well, this could either go one way or the other. I'm either going to dig myself in a bit of a rut or get myself into trouble, or I could do something about it. So um, I went to Canterbury and did, like, a foundation access year and um, sorted myself out, basically. And then, uh, yeah, went on from there to do a degree in art psychotherapy. Nice. Because I've been doing a little bit of work in care and I've sort of been working with people with severe behaviour problems and youth offenders. Um, I kind of got interested in that. How can you use the arts to communicate with people that normally find it really difficult to uh, communicate on an everyday basis? So for four years I, I was heavily involved in that and um you know really found myself I went to Derby to do that so it was the complete opposite of growing up in a seaside town really so yeah in the middle of the country absolutely furthest away from the city <laughs> and do you know what I thoroughly enjoyed it you know just that different culture yeah just being somewhere different and out of my sort of hometown really um worked as a clinical art therapist for a year up in Derbyshire, and then I relocated to London. Then everything changed, sort of thing. So, is that still an interest? Yeah, still an interest, definitely. And, and uh, in fact, my colleague Henry, that I employ here at the gallery, he won't mind me saying, but he's higher functioning as well. He's on the spectrum, and you know, we put on like outsider art shows here where we've sort of done open submissions. We had a lot, you know, working lots with people with mental illness or you know, all sorts of different uh histories and stuff still really fascinating to me and you know i work with some right i don't know how to say that nicely but my art is here some of them are right crackpots you know yeah well ned the the, <laughs> the most interesting people are the ones that are a bit off center aren't they exactly that exactly because they just think very yeah. differently yeah i mean we've got all sorts here i mean you know and that's what i love and i handpick the artists or some some come to me but I've sort of got to know them and I, I sort of feel a responsibility over them actually you know what I mean I feel like I'm like a manager of a football team or like a father over them <laughs> because, uh, you know most artists have needs emotional yeah. needs as well and it's you know it's still a thing I still have to manage that sometimes too and it's uh it's really interesting yeah so you you do keep a small ish stable although you've got what is it 40 artists yeah yeah 40 plus i think so i try and keep it under 50 because it's a very small gallery yeah you know, people come down here and have their stonehenge moment they go oh i thought it'd be bigger than this <laughs> <laughs> nah. so yeah 50 is a manageable number for me so each year we try and look at who sort of fits the mold and like one of the sort of underlying themes here at the gallery is um humor but also sort of pathos psychological sort of drama but 
counterculture references, music and film and yeah, yeah. stuff like that, that just sort of, I don't know, are loosely rebellious. You know, we always try and have a bit of a laugh here and not take it too seriously. And I yeah. think, you know, from, from what you were saying about having that sort of regional accent and talking about the arts, one of the main things here at the gallery when I opened was to... Um, disarm the public because normally a lot of people when you and i'm the same if i see a gallery sign or a gallery and it looks quite starchy and white and quiet i don't particularly enjoy going into those environments yeah, yeah. you sort of feel like you're being judged or you're you're uh you have to adjust your behavior some way yeah you know what i mean so like here we've got a sign out the front that says be nosy straight away so <laughs> nice. quite, you know English people respond to that because they kind of need that invitation. Of course. You know, we have music on in here, so it's not quiet. Um, you know, my wife tells me to burn a smelly candle so it smells nice. So we're trying to stimulate all the senses sort of thing, yeah. you know, not just visually, but, you know, we just want people from all ages to come in here, and they do. You know, we get kids in here, we get grandmas in here, and we love that. And, you know, particularly if they end up walking out of a bit of work, because that's not your normal demographic. And then you yeah. go, you know, we've got one girl, young girl here who saves her pocket money and she's, she brings her dad in there and her dad's seen a piece of work in it and she's got it for him for Christmas and she's been paying it off like £20 a week, Brilliant. Like £20 a month for yeah. a few months so that she can give it to her dad at Christmas. And do you know what? That's, that's fucking great for me. That's, yeah. you know, I love those moments more than when people come in who've oh. got money and sense, you know? I was with a, a very good friend of mine, artist, Ray Richardson. Yeah. He was at, funnily enough, it was at Folkestone, what we were talking right. about earlier. There was uh, a few years ago, pre-COVID, they had the Art Car Boot Fair down there. That's right. And he'd done these little, um, I think they were little um, works of drawings on board, about, mm -hmm. about four, between four and six inches square. And I think that they was like 60 quid, for instance, or 80 quid. I can't remember yeah. what the price was. But this girl had come over with her dad, or her dad had come over with this little girl, and they was mm -hmm. looking, gone away. And then the girl come back a short time after, on her own. She mm -hmm. was, she was at ten or under, and she had a handful of coins, maybe four and a half quid or something. You know, she pointed to one of them and went to Ray, "Is this enough for that?" Yeah. And Ray's looked at it, he's counted it all out, and went, "Yeah, it is." Oh. And what a moment it was yeah. i mean it meant nothing to him but to sure. watch it yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that little bit of connection between the child the art and the artist it was, it was it. a wonderful thing i see and she'll take that away and she'll look at that and she'll remember that yeah and that, that, that yeah that's so cool set something off in that young mind hopefully and yeah <laughs> we've just mentioned about you had you've got a stable of about 40 artists yeah now rather than name all of those and sure and, have a chance of forgetting a couple which is always the case yeah could you just tell us about the the last four five six shows you've had on uh so yeah we've just at the moment we've got a show on called off the record so uh it's a summer show that was just a group show loosely inspired by music so it could either have reference to a lyric um an actual song or an instrument of music um, or an icon from music. So a lot of my artists will have sort of come in touch in their practice with music. So, yeah, we've done a group show of that. Um, we just 
recently had three uh, sculptures come in from a sculptor called Corin Johnson, which was rather interesting. He has just relinquished three of his pieces that he made. And one of them in particular was a, 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 a maquette of Nick Cave riding on a horseback. Brilliant. Uh, wearing like a loincloth and a, a torch. This was a, a project that him and Nick, they've been working together in collaboration and they wanted to create a life-size model of this uh, in Nick's hometown in Australia. So it was like a crowdfunded thing, which is still ongoing. But um, Corin gave us this uh, original maquette that he made with Nick Cave. So Nick Cave, well, he made two. Nick Cave's got one. We've got the other one here in the gallery. So that was such a nice inclusion to come to the uh, into the gallery this weekend. I mean, it sold straight away, which I didn't, uh, yeah, I never thought it wouldn't. But, you know, it was great. We had someone from Epsom drive all the way down here for like a couple of hours just to have a look at it. And nice. I was like, that's really cool. So yeah. it's incredible. I worked for as an artist in London for 10 years and in Deptford and I had a great time and I had a studio based practice there and I went off and did an MA in painting at Wimbledon and I loved being in London and around it but I met no one yeah and then yeah. I opened this place up six years ago yeah within a month I got like Vic Reeves the comedian he came in with some work and he said oh like we got here do you want to put some work in and I said yeah that'd be great so he had a show in London he invited me up there and you can imagine the whole sort of comedy glitter art and all sorts of people. And then I saw Noel Fielding jump out of a taxi dressed like a peacock in a big black <laughs> fur coat and stuff. And I had a couple more champagnes. I thought, oh, I'm going to have a chat with Noel because like, I've loved what he's done on TV with the booth yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And, and I knew I was aware of the fact that he'd been drawing and done a lot of the work for the booth, you know, the sort of visual yeah, yeah, side yeah. of it. So I got chatting to Noel and I said, look, you know, I'm going to, I'm opening a gallery and well, I've opened a gallery and deal. I'm showing some of Jim or Vic Reeves work. Would you be interested in putting some in? Here's my card. Three months later, he sent me three pictures of Jimi Hendrix playing guitar to a load of grannies with mashed potato head. <laughs> of course. Do you reckon you can sell those? And uh, yeah. they went in seconds, as you can imagine. But, it, uh, um, but yeah, it's just bizarre, you know having lived in the sort of capital and then came back here really apprehensive and anxious thinking am i ever going to sell a bit of artwork again <laughs> yeah and it had the opposite effect and i don't know what that is i don't know if people when they come out of the capital the you, you don't see as much visual information there's not billboards everywhere you're not on the tube with loads yeah. of adverts i think when people do come here they have sniff the fresh air and they're sort of in holiday mode so maybe they look closer yeah at, at the work and um, well, the three names you've mentioned there ned yeah being nick cave jim your yeah stroke vic reeves and no yeah. building yeah they are all very definitely off center aren't they sure definitely absolutely and, and all three of their minds work in a very unique unique way which comes out in their songs or it does or canvas it does, and I'm really interested in that. I mean, you look at Nick Cave's lyrics and stuff like that. They're sort of dark but humorous at the same time. Yeah, you know, they yeah. sort of, they're, they're very the narrative is so strong in those. Same with Noel's work. Same with Jim's work. It's absolutely balmy at times. You know, it's like, and Jim's like work can bounce about like a box of frogs. He can do these beautiful depictions of birds, and then he can do like a 
picture where he's sat backwards on a chair with a knob sticking out yeah, in the middle yeah. of it. <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it sort of sort of started there very quickly. But then, you know, we've got some incredible artists. Uh, we've got Vanessa Smith, who I'd studied with at, at, at Wimbledon. And she does these sort of really weird atmospheric interiors where they're sort of quite hard and graphic novelly. But then you look through these windows of complete realism and uh, you can sort of see these sort of, um, I don't know, like sort of... Oh, apocalyptic worlds going out, out on outside or yeah. like um you know very tight compositions of uh film references like i'm looking at one now and it's got like a hint of the exorcist in the the so yeah it's just really clever and then uh we've got a show on as well concurrent with the uh music show uh called peep show and that's by a very interesting lady called nicole bates so she's part of a group called peg which is the profanity embroidery group. <laughs> so, so there's, uh, there's a group of ladies down in Whitstable that sort of sit there stitching uh, stuff together. And um, yeah, I'll just run and get you one. Please. Um, yeah. I mean, she's hilarious. Like, so I don't know if you can see that one there. Yeah. Love and, uh, Excellent. Yeah. So, right up my street. Yeah. So she's brilliant. So yeah, you know, there's always something that you come in here and we always put something really amusing in the corridor here. And that's one of the things, if you can get people to smile or laugh the minute they walk in here, bam, disarmed. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's how I've got through life, mate. Yeah. We've spoke about artists that you've um, shown recently yeah. um, and you've got a show coming up on the 9th of September with the Cameron twins who, who we've just listened to. How did you come by working with those? Well, I get a lot of approaches here uh, every week. People want to show here, and and that's great. It's a great problem to have. But you know, one of the things that I've had to change though is being able to respond to those because get bombarded with emails, DMs, and they come from all directions. I never remember where where they were and all that. <laughs> so, like, you know, once a year now we look at submissions and we 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 ask artists to submit a website and we look and see if it fits. Like. You know, crazily, last year we had 475 submissions for three oh, places. Excellent. You know, and it, I hate saying no to people. You know, it's really difficult. And we look at all the work, but it's a time-consuming, difficult issue. But the Cameron twins uh, approached me with an email and a PDF, and uh, I was just blown away by it because yeah. we've got a lot of approaches. And... A lot of people will write in to me and they just say hi there. They, they haven't even looked at the website. They don't know my name. They don't know anything about the gallery. They know that Noel Fielding uh, exhibits here, so they'd like to exhibit. Or they, or you get that very sort of aggressive, my work would look really good in your gallery. And I'm yeah. like, mm, you well, don't want to miss yeah. this opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, maybe I could decide that rather yeah. than but, uh <laughs> Yeah, I get a lot of that. So, but the girls, wow, really professional. And they talked about their clientele and some of their clientele asking, why isn't your working Don't Walk Walk Gallery and stuff like that. And um, just put together a very professional PDF. And um, I just straight away really acknowledged that 
for for one so young they had a bit in their teeth and they were ready to go you know they were yeah. they were doing the donkey work and yeah and then i went up and did that um podcast with them and just sort of got to interview them and like you say they're quite timid and shy because they're young and like but what i did sort of glean from it was just how proactive they were because like they were at college at a really shitty time when it was pandemic and yeah most of the visual arts courses were having to do it remotely so anything about design or art would be very much them doing it at home and doing a digital presentation for it to be marked but not those two they managed to befriend the the sort of caretaker technician of the print studio and in lockdown, he would let them in at night and they would be in there printing and learning the craft. And, and and you know, I don't think any of their other peers were doing that. And I just yeah. thought, do you know what? If you've got that drive at that age, you're going to do it because most people would be happy just to kick back and toss it off. So, and, yeah. and after speaking to them, you can see that they're still, as much as their work is stunning at the moment, yeah, you can see they're literally just finding their feet. Oh, yeah. I don't think they realise how good they are at no. the moment. No. They're, I don't they're, they've so. got complex layers of yeah. information, of history, of That's myth, right. of nostalgia, the dream state. Yeah. Things. yeah. Yeah. No, they're really on to something good there. I mean, you know, they're living the dream as well. They are a reflect, the work is a reflection of them. Yeah. They're, they're colourful, they're, they're energetic. Um, and, you know. and once you get speaking to them, they're quite. They've got quite a dark um, element to their to their work as well, haven't they? They have. You know, like that was part of the. Um, you know, I was bounding around some ideas with them about the show, and like we've got a few of their tarot cards here, and you know, hypodermic needles feature a lot in their yeah their yeah. work, and I'm, you know, I'm still yet to talk to them on that level about what's there and stuff but um yeah i was just it, it sort of came to me that you know needles and pins would be a good name for their show because it's yeah. obviously cockney rhyming for twins as well and because there's a lot of needles in their work and but yeah to me that they're, they're fascinating i mean my wife is a twin as well so i'm used to I, I, okay. i'm used to the twin thing so it's great to see you know how they're how they can work together and how the you know the they're very different as well, which, you know, you'd hope. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it work. You know, you, you, there's always a submissive twin and a dominant twin. And, you know, one, one will push, the other one will be behind, tying the laces sort of thing. Yeah. And, yeah it needs both of them to function, right? It does. It really does. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, I met their mum. The mum's around. So, and the mum is incredibly supportive and protective. And that's great. And it's really good to see she let the girls take over pretty much the bottom half of their house so that they yeah. can come back and hit the floor running. Because I think that's the problem with a lot of art students is the chasm. When you come out of art school and you haven't got all that stuff around you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, and there's no deadlines. And, most of them do fall by the wayside and end up, you know, working a job that's not related. So, well, I, it, I said that. Sorry to break yeah, your phone. No, no, no. Well, I was having this exact conversation with someone a while ago on a on a podcast, and I said something just sort of flippantly, which hmm. I've thought about quite often. When I left university, you know, when you see the stray balloon 
just floating yeah. away in the sky yeah. where some poor kids let it go. So yeah. then it was a new journey I had to start on my own. And that's when I felt like that, that, that little, you know, balloon yeah. floating away. I can imagine that as well. Cause I, you know, short time I was in army cadets, army worked on the ferries, all of those were institutions and they're very supportive in their network. And I guess the same, you know, with the prison system yeah. as well, you know, where you got to be at a certain time, same with college university you've got a timetable that you follow it's all there isn't it so yeah yeah for someone you're out there it's like okay navigating that is really tricky so so their exhibition starts on the 9th and it's on for how long uh so we're going to run it for two weeks so we've got the girls coming down uh help me curate the show then it'll open on the 9th we've got a private view friday evening um six till eight p.m well, I say private view, a launch event. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyone could come. And then uh, in the next street across from the gallery, we have uh, our sort of sister ship, really, which is a fantastic little bar called the Tap House. And yeah. they do like craft beers, pizzas, but they what they've allowed me to do the last five years is to hang the whole bar with rotating work from it. And it's great you know the, that's a really good venue to do it in they have the decks in there so so we're having after show uh in there as well and we're going to deck that place out with the Cameron twins work too so yeah it's going to be like a color explosion across across the two sites and excellent yeah the girls are going to come down and I've convinced them to work the gallery for a day as well because one of the nice. things I do here is I'm always I've got all my records here as well so which you know, I'm always putting up what records and playing and stuff. And I said, come down for the day, work the gallery, sit with your show. If you can find something in there that's your musical taste, yeah, you can play it all day as well and just have a bit of fun with it. Meet meet your audience. So, yeah. so they're going to do that on this, one of the Saturdays. And then um, I'm hoping the final weekend of the show, they're going to do a bit of a talk. So, um, yeah, get some, some of the collectors in that have already got their works and... Yeah, they can come and hear the girls talk about their practice. I don't know about you, Gary, but I get a sense that these girls are, are, are in for the big time. It I, feels I, like it. Yeah, it does. And I and I think people would be very interested in meeting them at this stage of their career. Yeah. Um, and I think it's good for them too, as I say, because the demographic of people that have bought work from them here are young people which is great because uh you know people in their 20s don't always invest in art so and they, they've bought pieces and then we've got people that are sort of late 50s 60s that have bought their work and recognized that it's actually really cool and yeah you know right um for example yesterday we sold a piece of theirs yesterday that says love hurts and it was um a, a doll riding on a big pack of those sherbet sweets what were they called the uh the love hearts yeah, yeah that's it yeah, i know the artwork so uh the piece was called miss you wasn't it because it had the one well the daughter of the uh person that created those particular sweets was in it love it and bought that Brilliant. piece you know Brilliant. i was just like you know my mate emery who i work was just like wow that's convergence man what, what's that person doing in here yeah yeah. I, yeah really cool to see that those sort of um things happening so yeah their work has a really wide appeal i think as you say it's really important for the artists to meet their public so i think the problem is with the gallery system it's quite often that doesn't happen 
you know, gallery galleries on a whole try and protect their clients from the artists because they don't want anything going on behind the scenes. But that that just makes a sterile environment, as far as I'm concerned. It does, you know, and I think there's a couple of other galleries out there that are using this model. Yeah, I do represent them to a certain extent, but I see there's a better word for it, which is championing them. Because like, if my artists have shows elsewhere, I try and let people know that as well. Yeah. You know, like James Johnson, he's one of my uh, strongest artists here. And, you know, I've been showing his work for three or four years, but he had a show in London recently, and I was like, no, get up there, go and see his work in London as well. You know, it's, yeah. I think because uh, I'm an artist myself, it, you know, the thing that I really pride this gallery on is it's an artist run gallery. You know, I opened it so that I could show my work in it, but also that, you know, I've got a space to work. I've got my studio in there, but it felt really important to me that I'd sort of challenge that traditional gallery model and say, well, no, actually, you can be proactive and you can open up a gallery yourself and do it your way. And that's where the sort of punk rock ethic came in. Yeah. I, mean, I got that from being in Deptford. We used to put on sort of all sorts of weird and wonderful sort of shows or performance pieces. And I just got that idea that you do anything if you want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to put it out there, you know, that's exactly it. build it and they will come Aussie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs> and, and, I mean, the White Wall Gallery will always be there and it will always be... Needs to be. Kingpin. Yeah, of course. But there's so much more underneath it. That there can, is. That can prosper and, and just be really fruitful for everyone. I think so. I think the White Galleries are really important and in a sense, they are quite aspirational. You know, I'd love to have my work in a big White Wall Gallery one day, of course, you know, and who wouldn't? But for me, the warmth in the art world comes from all of those places and you know the, the fact don't walk walk gallery was my sort of first trip to new york in 2002 and being down lower east side and seeing all these sort of little galleries that just tucked away and i don't know and like cbgb's and places like that that always had that little bit of a sort of cobbled together vibe or that boutique kind of yeah that always made me feel comforted and um that was something I was like, yeah, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it like that. So, Ned, how can anyone find the Don't Walk Walk Gallery, be it website or social media? So we're on Facebook, we're on Pinterest, uh, we're on Instagram predominantly. So most of my posts I do are from Instagram and then I sort of send them sideways out to the other things. Uh, we've got the podcast, which is called Don't Walk Talk. Um, uh, what else have we got? I've got the website. And then, you know, if you was to come and see us in our physical location, we're not on the high street, which is really good. Uh, really happy about that. Uh, we're sort of tucked out the way on the side of the, off the high street. And um, there's one Australian taxi driver that works in it in Deal called Mr. Jal Frazier. I don't think that's his real name. <laughs> I think that's his. <laughs> but he, he came in here the other week and uh, well, a few months back and he says, he said, you got it right here. He said, the thing about this place is he said, anyone that walks in here feels that they've discovered it. At the beginning, I asked Noel, could you write something about the gallery? And uh, yeah, he said, yeah, of course I can. And um, he came back like five minutes later and he, he put uh, a funky treasure pod by the sea. Brilliant. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. I love that. Brilliant. But yeah, that's how you can find us. Um, Brilliant, mate. Well, 
all the very best no. for the ninth yes. with, uh, yeah. with the Cameron twins. And all the best for Don't Walk Walk. Thanks very much. Cheers, Gary. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. It's a podcast that's produced with the help of the listener. And if you like what you've heard and you think you might be able to give a little support, there's two ways in which you can do it. If you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll find a Linktree drop-down box. And in that box, you'll find two links. One is called Buy Us A Coffee, and it's pretty much that. You can make a one-off payment the price of a cup of coffee. Or, if you're able and want to do it more long-term, you can become a Ministry of Arts Patreon, where you can sign up to support us on a monthly basis. And 100% of your support goes back into the podcast. And if you're not able to do that, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. But we would urge you to follow us on your socials and show us a bit of love that way. Either way, thanks for listening and see you next time. Ta-da. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.